Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. We love our community and want to show the love of Christ tangibly in our neighborhoods, workplaces, and homes. This summer, we will discover how serving can make a difference in our community, how serving makes an impact for God and grows our faith in a series called Why I Serve. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. We are so excited to uh, be kicking off this series this summer, uh, this emphasis over the season of our church today. If this is your first time at Rockbrook Church, first time back in a long time maybe, uh, this is a great weekend to be here as uh, we're launching uh, really three things going into our summer at Rockbrook and this emphasis that we are um, that we are doing. The first is this sermon series called Why I Serve. We're going to start that today, so you'll be hearing about, hearing about that. We're, this is going to run um, uh, to the middle of July, maybe, uh, maybe even more. And then also, a uh, second thing is a study that we've released called A Place to Serve. And we had more creative titles for this stuff, but we just decided to go super clear. So it's Why I Serve, A Place to Serve. And uh, I do the teaching on video Uh, You hear testimonies from people in our church. There's a study guide uh, that helps you follow along with that. There's also a gifts assessment and some other things in here. And there's also daily devotionals in here. So if you're looking for a daily Bible reading plan for the summer, uh, I'd love for you to uh, check this out and follow along as it'll align with what we're talking about in weekend services and in our uh, study. Uh, so we'd love to have you that. We was also going to have talk it over notes for this series, for the sermons. So if you've got a week that you've got to uh, fill or a message that was powerful to your group or to your family and you want to talk about it, uh, that uh, those talk it over notes could help you uh, facilitate that conversation. And it's all going to culminate in a day on Saturday, July 14th called Serve Day. Serve Day. And it's going to be a church-wide uh, serving in our community, community impact. Here's what's going on with that. Our, our small groups are awesome, and uh, um, many of our small groups every year or about every semester will do a service project where they'll help someone in the group or they'll help a neighbor do something in their neighborhood. They'll partner with an organization we support in our community, do something that way, and they'll just go out and make a difference and serve. And what we're doing is we're taking all of those and we're going to do them all on one big day to make a big splash, impact the community, let our good deeds shine before men so that they may see their Father in heaven and glorify Him. Uh, So that's the goal. And many of you have had questions about what this means, and our serve team is awesome. We're having information start going out about this now. There's a serve table in the lobby. I'd love for you to stop by before you leave. And they've gone to the work of answering any question you might have and how your small group can participate, how you can participate Uh, And I'd love for us, just everybody in our church, to participate in Serve Day, July 14th. We've also got an app uh, that is going to help us with this day. You can see the different projects that people have submitted that that we want to see done or want to help out with. And you could sign up to be involved in in that event. You could submit one or do different things that way uh, to see how this is all going to go down. So rockbrook.org slash serve is where all of that information is. So we are so excited about this. So please uh, pick up a study. This is one of my wins today is for you to leave here with a study guide and uh, follow along with us this summer and start thinking about Serve Day. As we launch this summer series, 
And really, this is, as we've celebrated our birthday last week, this is really kind of a new year for our church. So we're kind of in a new year mode, almost. I want to talk about our first responsibility as a Christian. Our first responsibility, what God expects of us. If you're going to be a Christian, this is the first thing God expects of you. This is your purpose. As a pastor, as a preacher, one of my passions is to demystify this idea of purpose, to demystify the idea of calling. We all long for a purpose. We hear that word all the time. We hear the find your purpose terminology all the time. I like to demystify what that means. But to do this, we have to look to God. And we have to look at God's purpose for everything in all of creation. Because God created me and God created you, so it all starts with God. Let's look at 1 John 4, 8 through 10, where it says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is, and then several translations are going to put in this word real. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. This is real love. He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. It's not just something that he does. It's who he is. It's part of his character, his nature, his essence. The only reason you have the ability to give or receive love is because our creator is a God of love. The only reason there's any love in the world is because our creator is a God of love and he created us in his image. God's love is extravagant. It's continuous. It is beyond comprehension. He loves you on your bad days just the same as your good days. He loves you when you don't think you deserve it and when you do think you deserve it. He loves you this second. He could never love you any less than he loves you this second sitting in your chair right now. And he can never love you any more than he loves you right now this second. The very fact that you're alive is because God wanted to love you. If God had not wanted to love you, you would not exist. People say, well, God doesn't love me. Well, then, my friend, you would not be alive because God created you to love you. So based on what John uh, has just told us in this passage in Scripture, I want to give you four fundamental statements for your life and your ministry. This is the undercurrent. Okay, if you get this, you'll make it in the Christian life. If you get this, you'll make it in life. If you get this, you'll make it in serving. I want to give you four fundamental motivations for our life. Before we step out to serve anyone, before we step out to love anyone, this is our motivation. On your notes it says, the first purpose of my life, boy, I wonder how you'd fill that in. I wonder what you'd put there. The first purpose of your life is not to serve. The first purpose of your life is not to obey God. The first purpose of your life is not to 
uh, find and have a fulfilling job. The first purpose of your life is not to make a difference or have a ministry or a role or responsibility that helps change lives. The first purpose of your life is not to defend the scriptures, to give to God, to evangelize, to share Christ, to read the Bible, to serve. You might think that because those are other good purposes and good things. But the first purpose of my life, write this in, is to be loved by God. To let God love you. It's not for you to love God, but to let God love you. This is what we just read. Real love is not our love for God, it's God's love for us. God made you to love you. Wow, does this change your whole life if you really get it? I mean, if you get what I'm talking to you about today, friend, this will transform not only your summer, this will transform your entire life. We think our purpose is to serve, to do more, to give more, to witness, to read, to do stuff, but let this sink in. Your first duty as a human being, your first duty as a Christian is not to do anything. This is radical. It is to be loved by God. Not only is this the first purpose of my life to be loved by God, but write this down. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. This is my first calling. Are you called? You might say, well, I don't know if I'm called or not. Everyone who is a Christian is called. The call to salvation and the call to serve are the exact same. The call to salvation and the call to ministry, to to love other people, to serve them, is the exact same call. The call to salvation, the call to ministry, to mission, all are the same. If you're a Christian, you're called. And my first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. Life is not about the role you play, the responsibility you have, the rules that you keep. Life is not about the regulations that you honor, the rituals you do. Life is about the relationship you have and enjoy with God. What kind of relationship does God want you to have with him? What kind of relationship? A worker? A slave? A servant? A soldier? What kind of relationship does God want you to have with him? A leader? A minister? Romans 1.7 tells us what our calling is and what our relationship to God is. Paul says to all in Rome who are loved by God, and called, called to be what? Called to be his holy people. The calling is not about a role, responsibility, ritual. He's called us to be his people. What kind of relationship is this? Here's the third thing, write this down. The relationship God made me for is to be his son, or if you're a daughter, his daughter. It is to be God's son or God's daughter. And this is not some plan B. This is not something God made up on the fly. This was God's plan from the beginning of time. The Bible tells us he set up up this whole universe so he could create this galaxy, this solar system, this planet with the ability to sustain life, sustain human life, so that you could be born, so that God could love you. Don't ever doubt your worth again. Don't ever doubt who you are to God again. He did it all so he could love you and that that would give him glory. If God had not wanted to love you, there would be no stars in the sky. He did it all because he loves you that much. He didn't want slaves. He didn't want 
workers. He didn't want soldiers. He didn't want angels. Guys, he's got enough angels. He wanted children. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, this is plan A, he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted, this is what he wanted to do. God wants to do this. And it gave him great pleasure. It brings God great pleasure and glory to love you. God is glorified when his character is, is expressed. And God is love, and when his love is expressed, he is glorified. This is the most amazing truth. The, the creator of the universe had a secret plan, and the Bible calls it a mystery. And he says it was first revealed to the prophets. The apostle Paul says, I was actually one of the first uh, to understand this plan, and that that is God wanted to adopt us into his family. He wanted you in it, a son, a daughter. So before you serve God, you need to be a child of God. You need to understand all of the full implications of that for you. You're not a worker bee. You're not a worker ant. You're a child of God. And the further away you get from that truth, the further away you get from God, the darker your life will be and the less you will understand your identity. The reason so many are having an identity crisis in our nation today, in our world today, is they are far from God. And when you are far from God, you don't understand your worth. You don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know what your purpose is. You don't know you were created, and you are far away from love. The closer you get to God, the more in the light you are, the more in love you are, and the more you understand your worth and identity. And your first job as a Christian, as a member of Rockbrook Church, as a servant of Christ, is to let him love you. And when you get that, it's going to change everything in your life. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. This is your number one calling in life, to be a son of God, a child of God, a daughter of God. Why did God want to do this? To express his love. And the number one thing, if you're taking notes, I need to understand and remember is how much God loves me. You can forget a lot of things, but never forget how much God loves you. It affects all of our relationships, all of our life when we forget how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Ephesians 3.17 Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down. What do they grow down into? God's love. And they keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to ever understand fully. He goes on, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He says, I want you to understand as all God's people should. He says, I want everyone to understand this. 
how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Let's just do that. Write these in. How wide is God's love? Well, it's wide enough to be everywhere. There's no place you could go where his love would not be. David said, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up uh, on the dawn, you are there. You're everywhere. I cannot escape your presence. Because God's love is wide enough to be everywhere you are. There will be times you feel alone. You will feel alone. But you are not really alone. Because you cannot escape God's love. God's love is long. How long is it? It's long enough to last forever. Human love wears out. God will never stop loving you. Never, 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 never. This is where we put our purpose. This is where we put our hope. This is where we put our security. Don't put your security in something that can be taken from you. Otherwise, it's not secure. If you put your security in your looks... You're not going to look good forever. If you put your security in your strength, you're not always going to be strong. If you put your security in your mind, you're going to lose your mind. If you put your security in a spouse or a friend, you can lose a spouse or a friend. If you put your security in a job, you can lose that job. You can lose a bank account. You can forget an education. If you want real security, you have to put it in something that cannot be taken away from you. What could separate us from the love of God the Father in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. Put your purpose and security in God's love. I may make a mess of my life. God's love won't stop. It's long enough to last forever. It's deep. How deep is it? It's deep enough to handle anything. You're going to go through struggles, suffering, loneliness in life, problems in life. And you may think, I am in the pit right now. I am in the pit of hell. God's love is deeper still. You say, what if I hit rock bottom? God's love is deeper still. God's love is deep enough to handle anything. He says, I want you to understand how high his love is. What does that mean? Well, it's high enough to cover my mistakes. The Bible says that God does not deal with us as we deserve. Hallelujah. The Bible also says that love covers a multitude of sins. Regardless of what you've done and what I've done, God offers to forgive us so that we can start over. Now, I don't want this to be misunderstood. It's not that God just looked the other way on your sin. It's not that God just looked at the mess we were in, looked at our sin, and said, no big deal. That's not love. That's apathy. That's not caring. No, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That he sent Jesus to be a sacrifice on the cross. And our covering is the blood of Jesus Christ and that we have his righteousness. This is what enables God to love us. This is what enables us to be loved by God. I want you to notice that most of these verses that I'm sharing with you today that talk about the love of God talk about Jesus Christ because this love comes through Jesus Christ. He is the way to the Father's love. And it, it just absolutely grieves me when I hear people say and, and hear people that believe that there are multiple ways to God. Why does that grieve me? Uh, 
it's not because the theology's wrong. It's not just because it's bad teaching. It's because that belief, you can never know the love of God because it comes only through Christ Jesus. And the person who believes that will never fully understand the height, the depth, the width, the length of God's love. And they miss out on the love of God the Father and they miss out on their purpose. There is only one way to God. It's through Jesus Christ. And you can come to Jesus lots of different ways. Through pain, through loneliness, with a question, with a problem. You can find Jesus in church, in a prison, on a trip. But God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And it's the way to the love in the Father. And it's the way to everlasting life. And your number one job is not to wake up and say, God, here's all the things I'm going to do for you. Number one job isn't even to wake up and say, God, I love you. It's to recognize and understand and remember that God, you love me. Help me experience that love. Help me know that love. We love because he first loved us. He is the initiator. So I, I have a question. How would your life change in the summer of 2018 if you felt completely and unconditionally loved by God? How would it change your life to know it in every moment of your life you are loved by God? Would that change some things? Would there be some fears that would go to the wayside? Would there be some anxieties that would fall away? Would some of your competitiveness and envy and jockeying for position and pride and all the things I don't like about me and all the things that you don't like about you, would those things be affected if you truly, totally felt loved by God? The reason I'm starting this series with this is because it's fundamental. Not how to serve your friends, not how to share the love of Christ, not how to serve your family, not how to be a, a Christian in the workplace. But how would it change your life if you felt called to enjoy a relationship with God? This is where God's love becomes so powerful. God's love is not wimpy. It is so strong. I've seen it invade a life and break strongholds in that life that have been held down for decades. I've seen it come in and just kick down walls of pride and addiction and, and problems in a life that, that the person has tried to break down and demo themselves for years. I've seen it absolutely just wreck pride. I've seen it soften the hardest heart. God's love is so powerful. So what happens when you are motivated by knowing how much God loves you? What happens when your life is motivated by God's love? Well, I want to give you some things today that will tell you if your life is motivated by God's love. Now, these things are not a to-do list. These are things that, that you can say uh, uh, that, that let you know if I'm being motivated by God's love. And when you are motivated by God's love, number one, you stop feeling the pressured to perform. The pressure to perform means that I don't fully understand the love of God. I feel like I've got to prove myself. I feel like I've got to show God how good I am, that I'm a good boy or a good girl, that I count, that I matter. And until you feel those four dimensions of love, the height, the depth, the width, the length, 
You will constantly be evaluating everything you do and thinking, I don't measure up. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing what what I ought to do. And the number one cause of burnout in the Christian life, I'm absolutely convinced of it, among pastors, among missionaries, among church members, the number one cause of burnout in the Christian life is forgetting how unconditionally God loves me. Ministry is just like salvation. It's by grace through faith. It's not like you're saved by grace and then you serve by works. It's all the same. Colossians 2.6 tells us that just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him. Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By grace, through faith. How do we walk in Him? By grace, through faith. It doesn't flip after you get saved. The way you got saved is how you're staying saved. And the way you got into God's family is the way you're going to serve God. It does not change after you get, you don't get forgiveness because of what you do. You don't get God's joy because of what you do. And you don't get the serving opportunities and the heart to serve because of what you do. It's all by grace through faith so that no one can boast. Saved by grace, served by grace. Romans 5.1 tells us this clearly. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by how? Faith. We have the peace of God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ, has, our Lord, has done for us. All right, there's going to be some point in your life where you're going to be approached by someone who tells you that salvation isn't only through faith. Uh, it's going to happen in your life. It's been happening ever since the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans and Galatians and, Cla- and everything. And it may happen on a college campus, it may uh, happen at dinner with someone, maybe someone knocking on your door, wherever, whenever, someone is going to have a clever argument. They're even going to have Bible verses that tell you, and they're going to have an argument that they've crafted that you are not saved by faith, it is through works. It is a false gospel. It's not true. They're deceived and the message is distorted. It's impossible. There's nothing that you're going to do that God's going to say, oh, okay, well, that changes everything. If there was anything you could do to be saved, tell that to Jesus while he's hanging on the cross. Jesus, you don't have to do that. There's something we could all do to be saved. No, there's nothing you can do. It is by grace through faith. And if you could do it, then why did Jesus take that punishment? And when they tell you you're saved by works, you tell them, yes, I am. Jesus works, not mine. That's how I'm saved. And it sets you free from the pressure to perform. There are are pressures in my life. And there are going to be pressures in your life. This does not have to be one of them. This does not have to be one of them. All right, let's do these last ones quickly. Number two, internally, you feel accepted rather than ashamed. If you feel shame, it's not from God. God's desire is to set you free from shame and from condemnation. Now, there's going to be times where you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's something in your life that grieves the Holy Spirit. and He wants this corrected for your good, for His glory. 
But there is not condemnation, there is not shame from God. Romans 8.1 says, Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And internally, you can feel accepted rather than ashamed. Number three, when you are motivated by God's love, you become bold in bringing your needs to God. If you're not bold, you don't understand the rights that you have as a child of God. So uh, one of the things that astounded people about Abraham Lincoln while he was president was that he gave his, his son, Tad, unhindered access to the White House. And it, it was in the middle of the Civil War. They could be having a cabinet meeting or a, a war strategy meeting, and Tad would just walk right in, not knock, not get clearance. He would just walk right in, and Lincoln would pick him up and hug him and greet him and say, I love you, son. Why? Because of the relationship, the relationship he had with his dad. And that's the relationship we're meant to have with God. Ephesians 3.11 says this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You don't have to pray wimpy prayers. You don't have to knock, just barge in. Tell God what you need. On Sunday morning when I'm driving to church and I'm praying, I just tell God, God, I know there's a lot of pastors praying to you right now, uh, but I'm barging in too. And he says, yeah, there's room for one more. You're my child. When you're motivated by God's love, you become bold in bringing your needs. You also, number four, have unmistakable peace during conflict. This is a sign you know the love of God. Because when everyone else is losing their head, losing their mind, freaking out, you're calmly confident. At times of unmistakable hurt and offense, you have the peace that passes understanding. When there's division and conflict and gossip, you have a peace that passes understanding. Because your identity is not tied up in what's going on around you. You know God loves me. And when you know that, you're able to rise above it. And when you rise above it, you can see the solution. You cannot see the solution when you're down in the weeds of hurt and offense. You cannot see the solution when you're down in, in, in the weeds of gossip and, and losing your head. You can rise above it and when you don't have the fear, when you know God's love, God loves you, you can rise above it and see the solution that the, your family is facing. You can see the solution in your workplace. Fear squelches creativity. Fear, hurt, offense squelches the, the understanding and the knowledge that God loves me. And you can have a peace during conflict. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when everyone else is losing their head, you're at peace. On serve day, when it's not going as planned, and uh, we're not going to be able to finish this project in time, and this guy is changing the plan and doesn't know what he's talking about, and we're doing this, you have a peace that passes understanding. That's why I love the pastors and the staff and our directors here, because at times when I have anxiety about something or I'm getting worked up about something, they've seen it all, and they're just calmly confident. They have a peace that God's peace is guarding their mind. When you're motivated by God's love, you have that peace. Also, when you're motivated by God's love, number five, you gain the courage to take bigger risks. Because if you understand how much God loves you, your fear goes down, and you have the ability to step out in faith. 1 John 4.18 says that this love 
It has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Fear tells us, I'm forgetting God's love right now. The less you understand God's love, the more fear you will have. The more you understand God's love, the less fear you will have. Remember the the parable Jesus told about the three guys, the master gives them each some talents and then goes away. And when the master comes back, the first guy has doubled what was given to him. The second guy had doubled the talents that was given to him. The third guy buried his. The master says, why didn't you, you could have put it in the bank, at least it would have accrued interest. What did the guy say? He said, I was afraid, so I hid my talent. And people hide their talents for the very same reason today. Fear. Fear. They don't remember God loves them. Now don't get me wrong, you're going to need others to believe in you too. And you're going to need other people in your life too. But first and foremost, you need to know God loves you. Number six, when you're motivated by God's love, you find yourself worshiping more and worrying less. Worry is the warning sign that in this moment in my life, I have forgotten how much God loves me. Philippians 4, 7 uh, in the message, I love this. It says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What, what is worship? Well, it's the opposite of worry. We know that because worry is focusing on me and what I don't have and what's going on around me. Worship focuses on how much God loves me and expressing my love back to him. In fact, that's a great definition of worship I want to give you today. Worship is enjoying God's love for me and expressing my love back to him. It begins with God initiating love. Worship is enjoying God's love for me and expressing my love back to him. I hear many people say, well, my problem is I just don't love God enough. I don't have a passion for him. I don't love God enough. No, that's not your problem. Your problem is you don't understand how much God loves you. If you did, you couldn't help but want to love him. You couldn't help but have a passion for him. You couldn't help but want to express it. You couldn't help but worship him. You couldn't help but want to show that love to other people. You couldn't help but want to serve him. You see how the motivation flips? You see how it changes? Isaiah 30, 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, He will rise up to show you compassion. Before you even rise up and think about loving God, He's already risen up to love you. Before we even rise up to serve God, Christ has already come and served us. Why did I belabor this point today? This summer is about serving. There's a lot of vision I could have given you. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. There's so many Bible passages about serving that are wonderful that we could have talked about today. We'll we'll look at them in this series. But why did I belabor this point and start with this? Because if you do the right thing with the wrong motivation, it's not going to last. If it's based on anything but the love of God, it's going to eat you up. And this is my prayer for us this summer. Would you make it your prayer for you? Would you pray this over your life this week? 2 Thessalonians 3.5. Let's read it together. 
May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Would you pray with me? Oh, church, I'm just going to pray a prayer here. And I invite you to just echo these words in your heart, in your mind. Just repeat them in your heart and your mind right now. Dear Father, you long for me to feel your love. You said that you rise up to show me your love. That your love is wide enough to be everywhere. It's long enough to last forever. It's deep enough to handle anything. It's high enough to cover my mistakes. And God, I I can't fully comprehend a love like that. But I trust you. And I believe you. And God, I just relax in your love right now. Right now, I just feel the pressure, the stress, the fear, the offense. God, it just falls away. I don't have to prove my worth. And I admit, I have felt pressured to perform. I have felt ashamed rather than accepted. And I want to change that. I want the foundation of my life to be your love. I want to be bold in bringing my needs to you. I want want to be calmly confident in conflict and problems. God, I want to be so secure in your life that I have the courage to take bigger risks. And I want to worship more and worry less. God, thank you for the privilege of being a child of God. God, thank you for the privilege of being part of your church family. And God, thank you for the serving opportunities that I have in front of me in my life. Father, I just want to pray for those who prayed this prayer along with me. That we cannot feel your love without knowing you better. So God, help us pick up our Bibles. Help us to spend more time in your word. God, I want to spend more time in your words than anyone else's words. Help us to become men and women of the word in summer of 2018. And God, let us not only feel your love, but let it motivate us. Let it move us. We want these to be motivations that they do indeed. Your love to move us to showing your love to our church, to our community, to our world. God, do something only you can do. Show your love to us, in us, by us, for us, and through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.